The man who will be preaching here in just a few minutes, Gontemer Budrock, is a man that Brookwood Baptist Church has come to love and to admire greatly. He grew up as a communist in Mongolia, learned to speak, um, of course, his native tongue, Mongolian, but also Russian, speaks English. He'll be graduating Wednesday morning from Beeson Divinity School with honors. He and his family have been active uh, members at Brookwood Baptist Church. His wife, Diggy, uh, their son, Timka, their son, Tevna, and their daughter, Nandan, who was born here in Birmingham. And we'll have dual citizenship as United States citizen and as a Mongolian. Uh, grew up in a communist family in Mongolia, came to know Christ as his Savior, was in the military for quite some time in Mongolia, became a special assistant to an important general in Mongolia. Uh, his faith led him into the ministry, worked with Campus Crusade for Christ uh, in Mongolia, worked with the military ministry that we have a very close connection with here at Brookwood Baptist Church through Bill Dean and others. Um, I had the great privilege of being his mentor through Beeson Divinity for at least a couple of semesters, and uh, that was a great time um, for us. Uh, his family left Mongolia feeling called to the ministry, feeling a need for more education, and they left everything they owned behind in Mongolia. And they came here by faith. Uh, this church has loved them. Many others have loved them and helped care for them. Uh, he wouldn't tell you this, but I will tell you that they're, they're taking nothing with them. Uh, everything that they have in their apartment was a gift. And uh, they've decided that some other family needs to be gifted in the same way, so they're leaving all that behind. Uh, we're going to, uh, on Wednesday night, as Jim mentioned, we'll be having a, a special service, a commissioning time for Gontemur, but it'll also be a time for us to physically show our love uh, to the Bodrock family, as they're gonna be leaving on May the 28th and going back uh, to Mongolia. We love them now, we'll always love them, and uh, we're going to miss them, but, but uh, let's don't get there yet. He's got a great message. I've already heard this. And so in just a few moments, Gontram will come and preach our message this morning. It's a treat for me to read scripture for you, Gontramer, because I love you and Diggy very much. Thank you for all that you and your children have taught me. I'll be reading this morning from John 16, 4 through 15. And in your pew Bible, it's on page 765. But these things I have spoken to you, so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. 
But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many, th- many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's a great honor and privilege and uh, deep appreciation that that has an opportunity for me to share today, this morning with you all, with our tribe. Many times I see pastors, preachers come with a scripture and they just preach but never open the scripture. So I was wondering why they bring the scripture but never open and read from it. Well, they get scared, (laughs) nervous, and so they have to have something to hold on. So the Bible says. So I am scared, nervous. So every time I do this, you understand where am I coming from. <laughs> well, I appreciate it even as you shared and honestly give your testimony. And you realize that your critique was putting your graduation line too. So I have a smile here. <laughs> My God bless you. Graduation, what a time. By the way, how many of us graduated this year? Can you raise your hands? From some sort of school, wow, college, university, graduate programs. How many of us are in transition, some type of renovation, construction, just finished the book? <laughs> I mean, life is a movement and it assumes transition a lot. And believe it or not, we're always graduating from something. And hopefully for, by the end of the service, all of you will raise their hands, realizing that we are in the process. Graduation is a bridge between past and future. It's, it's a hope. It's a celebration of hope. Hope that something that we learned in the past actually can be useful in the future. Something that we face in the past is learnable and a part of us now, will be in the future with us. It's a season of transition when we open a new door by closing the previous. And apostles were facing the same transition. They were facing the same season. And Jesus, the same Jesus who died, risen again, was walking with them. The Jesus was restoring them into relationship with him. That Jesus was giving his final teaching. This is the time when Jesus said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and baptize. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I commanded to you. 
And surely I will be with you to the end of the time, to the end of this age. And they heard this. They were just about, the disciples, the apostles, just about to receive the final graduation and the final tests. When Jesus was with them, he was teaching about the kingdom. About kingdom, about heavenly realm. And transition assumes, graduation assumes, shifts, changes, adjustments. Being open-minded, paradigm shift. Scripture is full of paradigm scripts, especially in Acts. We can read paradigm shifts almost in every chapter. You are baptized by not by the water, by the spirit. Power is received, not taken. This creepy one. You eat creepy animals <laughs> that God purified. Gentiles are part of the kingdom. They are the family of God. They are his rightful people. Blessed is who who gives and receives. Paradigm shift. And we, with apostles, need to be open-minded facing those transitions. But not, they're not there yet. In chapter 6 it says, are you going to restore the Israelites now? I don't know what if Jesus would feel like, I, I told you, a reason, come on. Israel, kingdom, the they want a kingdom here at this time and this space, and they want to be ruling with Christ Jesus. They're still narrow-minded. They're still single linear. They think one-dimensionally. They're focused on themselves. They want to be like a small dictator along with a big dictator. Speaking about dictatorship, speaking about... Um, if we read and understand what dictatorship come, actually they come from the good place. All the people who become dictators once saw the bad insecurity, injustice in their nation, in their people, and they want to make it right. They want to correct it. From Xi Huangdi, the first emperor of China, to Stalin, classic dictator of 20th century, all those people want to do it right. So they said, I need power to make it right. They got power. Guess what? They become the next dictator. Because humanly, we just cannot. Disciples want to be dictators along with Jesus. But power didn't suit them. Winston Churchill once said, as a prime minister of Britain, he said, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. These good intentions was received power, and all of a sudden, it become dictatorship to protect its power, fear to lose it. But the scripture says, you receive the power, so you'll be my witnesses. And the power source of that is the Holy Spirit. We do not, a small dictator that manipulates relationships, wanting things done my way, want to finish or have an agenda that way that mine. When we enter the real relationship, we have to enter with a real heart, real attitude. The model of our year, this church is a real person, real life, real love. And I want to add real relationship. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And as you've been filled, it will empower you to submit to each other. By the power of the Holy Spirit, wives or wives will be able to submit to husbands in the right attitude. Husbands will be able to love their wives in such a way that they're willing to give their lives. Children will obey and honor their parents wholeheartedly, and parents will honor their children and discipline them in such a way that they're not going to provoke anger. Employee will be respecting their employers and do like they would do you for Jesus, and employers, same wise, would do for their employee. Respect. And it cannot happen without power of Holy Spirit. True relationship. True authenticity. Martin Luther put it this way. Descend unto your neighbor as Jesus descended into your heart. As you've been saved, now you can go in the power of Holy Spirit and touch others. Love your neighbor as you're saved, the scripture says. And this is a real example. We are called to be a witness of God, witness of Christ, and all that he did to us. We're called to be his love, witness of his love, grace, mercy. John 13, 35 says, A new commandment given to you. You shall love each other as I loved you. And by this commandment, all will know that you are my disciple. My heart will show. What a great witness. And the Holy Spirit empowers us not to be as small dictators, but a really genuine, sacrificial person that has been touched by Christ. As we read later, Luke, the writer of Acts, proposes the idea of whole world. Whole gospel. Bringing by whole person. Does it familiar? Judah. You'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judah, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Some take this list and say it's geographical. Locally, then go Expand, expand, and get to the point of globally. From here to the end, from now to the future, from this moment, Judah, to the earth. For Jews, it's a mind changing, it's just hard to understand, hard to embrace. Go from Closest to forest. But there is strategic also. Many churches use this for specific locations as their focuses, as a mission focus, focus of their efforts. Starting from home, going to unknown lands. Start with a local ministry, going to international ministry. But it does not excuse to say that since we don't have a global min- local ministry, we cannot have a global ministry. Or since we don't have a ministry here at, at our town, we cannot go nationally or internationally. Because Ephesians, uh, in Acts chapter 8, Philip, just the church was just established, and Philip already was ministered to Ethiopian eunuch, who is in mind of Jews, is already from the ends of the earth. It's a strategic but the third thing I want to talk about is a matter of heart. It's a hard attitude. 
Rome is a center of ancient world. By the time this book was written, Rome was considered the center of civilization. But for Christians, it was a center of evil. And books of Acts finishes with Rome. Assume that Rome is the end. It's easier to share Christ in Mongolia or Asia or, or Africa or any part of the world than it's sharing to your own family members. Would you agree with me? Jesus was denied in his own town of Nazareth. And he said, prophets are not except their own town, hometowns. It's hard to reach your families. It's hard to reach somebody who thinks that going to church is good enough. But misses like uh, apostle miss to what it means to be, have a full and genuine relationship with Christ Jesus. Would you agree with that? In that sense, there are ends of the earth because their heart is closed. And it's the hardest part to reach. But let me kind of make a one step death into your heart, into our soul. We like to compartmentalize. The word is compartmentalize. We say, God, this part of the world, this part of, uh, of my life, I'm not in control. I don't know. So please help me. I don't know what the future. I don't know how this deal is going to go. I don't read this person. So help me with this relationship. This one, I've got a half. So you can have to help me with the other half. I'll go as far as I can and then I'll give you the rest. You just carry the rest. So let's make a partnership or deal. But this one, I've got it. I'm in control. I don't need you. Does that sound familiar? We compartmentalize. We need God here, maybe here. We don't need him here. It's common. Compartmentalization is a prison of soul. We think that things in our life do not connect to each other. And body, soul, and mind can exist separately. It doesn't communicate with each other. And therefore, we cannot live in separate lives. And it's okay. No. The gospel needs to come to every corner of our heart, of our soul. A writer, um, Brian, yeah, Brian, he wrote a book called When Helping Hurts. And in his seminars, When Helping Hurts, he was sharing this testimony of a very unique experience. He was in Africa in the slum with a very poor part of Nairobi. And he was just about to give a, he was preaching in, in the church. When he went to the neighborhood, he saw this slum town with a wooden carbs and very, very poor place. And he said, wow, if only these people knew how to be faithful to God and trust him in all in their aspect of their lives, they were not going to believe this way. Their life would be improved. So he entered the church, which is just cardboard, just simple church, not even church, just pretension and just had a broken ceilings. And he shared from the word of God. And after that, they started talking, giving testimonies. A lady get up and said, I'm very thankful to the Lord that my daughter woke up next morning alive. And she saw the sunshine. Another gentleman woke up and said, I'm very thankful that we're going to have a meal tonight. Another man got up and said, I thank you that I have a job so I can have an earning for the family. And as these people were getting up and giving testimonies, 
Brian was looking at them and he was thinking, these people trust in the Lord in everything. Absolutely everything. Because all that have is God. Their homes, their daily livings, everything depends on God. The next drop of water, the next medication, they're totally dependent. And he realized that those people ministered to him tremendously that he was preaching to them. Reaching having God in every corner of our life, of our spheres. That can be the ends of the earth. But let me take you one step deeper, allegorically. I want to say even darker. There's a part of us and what we call the darkest side of us that we do not want to admit. We want to hide that part even for ourselves. Addictions, hidden sins, things that have happened in the past, things we do not admit, sinful thoughts. We know who we are in a sense. But there are a part of us that we don't know at all, that exists in us, hidden, and sometimes come back. The darkest side of the soul. Once a person said, maturity is to take a lamp of God's word with the power of the Holy Spirit, going to the darkest side of your soul and learn who you are for real. And then understand that Christ accepted it all on the cross. Journey to understand who am I in full is a tough journey. But however we discover ourselves, we need to say that Christ accepted it all. He accepted as who we are. Sometimes the end of the earth is the place when our soul is most at home. And we still need Jesus and the Holy Spirit to work there. John 16, 13, as we read today, was saying he will guide us in truth. He will tell us what's going to happen in the long run, in times to come. 13 years ago, somewhere in 1997, when our ministry was just beginning with the military, I got a phone call from my fellow friend. His name is Tukso. And he said, Contemor, tomorrow, 5 o'clock, we're going to have this important meeting with a military colonel who represents Military Christian Fellowship. Can you come? I said, no. Tomorrow, I have a very important meeting, a leadership meeting with the navigators. And we're going to decide some important things, too. I don't know. For 24 hours, I was thinking, what I should do? I don't know. Five o'clock in the east part of town or five o'clock in the west part of town? I don't know. Both are important. Both are legitimate. Both are for the kingdom of God. But where do you belong? 4.30, I was standing on a bus stop. Still did not know where to go. Go to the west to the meeting with the colonel or go to the uh, east to the meeting of colonel or west. Go to the Bible study and leadership meeting with the navigators. I was torn apart. And I said, God, like a Gideon, I, I'm going to pray. I want to have guidance of the Holy Spirit. And I said, the first bus comes. That bus I'll take. The, come, the bus came shortly. And I took that bus and I went. It was, go, it was going to west. I'm not talking about it. It went to east. I made the colonel. He encouraged us to continue with the ministry. Surely we were 
established as a ministry that led to the Campus Crusade, that led for me to be a full-time with the ministers, that led me to meet my wife and our family, that led for us to come here to Brooklyn Baptist Church. Well, can you imagine if I went west? Holy Spirit. And I'm sure most of us, most of you have, or all of you have this kind of experience and this kind of testimonies. Holy Spirit guides and leads. At the end, when Jesus ascended, there was two witnesses with a wider open. They said, man of Galilee, what are you looking for? The way Jesus came and left or ascended, the same way he's going to come back. There was a moment of pause. Jesus ascended. Holy Spirit has not come yet. And disciples are in this pause, in this wait. Wait upon the Lord. Transition, graduation, any shift from one to, to new requires not just being open to mind, but also have this moment of wait. Isaiah 40, 31 says, He who waits upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll swirl like eagle, get those extra wings and just, and, and wings and just, I want to be an eagle. <laughs> it's, it's a cool animal. But, swirl like an eagle. They'll run, but not fall. They will walk, but never faint. When the power of the Holy Spirit is upon us, it doesn't make us a small dictators, but it makes us small a witness of Christ. And therefore, the totality is whole world, whole me taking the gospel. And a messenger cannot be separated from the message. And therefore, we, our life, our witness, our words, our attitudes is a part of message. We cannot say, do whatever I told you, but don't do what I leave. That's a hypocrisy. But we want to say, do as I did and say what I say. The message and the messenger cannot be separated. And that requires the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, four years ago, when we just before came to here to, uh, from Mongolia, I met a Mongolian pastor, and he said, you're going to America for four years for graduation program? Like, it's a waste of time. We need you here in Mongolia right now. Our, you know, we're desperate with the leaders. We're desperate with uh, what's going on. I generally don't agree with him. I don't agree that um, us not being there, God is not working. We need... As a first-generation church, we need trained theological leaders. We need sound doctrine. We need a solid foundation of theological grounding. So we know where we're going. And we know that is true and that is pure doctrine, pure gospel. We need that training. We need that understanding. But he'll be right if when we go home, and instead of trusting the Holy Spirit, Instead of waiting upon the Lord and His empowerment and His guidance, we say, okay, this is good for us. This is what we're going to do. This is our agenda. And just take it and run with it. He'll be right. And those four years will be wasted. 
if we don't wait upon the Lord and for His guidance. You know, we are scared. We don't want to go. I like Brookwood. I like Mountainburg. And driving is very safe here. <laughs> There's so many uh, traffic lights for a road. Everybody's polite. I don't see a drunk person every day. I don't see fighting every day. Our reality is different. I'm, we're scared. We're scared to face the reality. We're scared to face the future. We're scared to take that responsibility and meet those expectations and talk with the people and see how the nation transforms. We are just simple people, like an apostles. We just blow mind. We cannot see beyond Jerusalem. But there is a whole world that is waiting for us. At this moment for me to grab the Bible and just <laughs> shake. <laughs> but we wait upon the Lord. And no matter how scared we are, we are, I remember his word, fear not, for I'm leading you. For I will be with you always. Like I was with Moses, I will be with you. Speaking to Joshua. Speaking to us. Speaking to anyone who is in transition and don't know what's going to happen next. Transition is another word for construction. Have you been on the construction side? Construction is in progress. We are apologizing for inconvenience. Our life is in transition. Our life is construction. It's the one big construction that goes through our life. And God says, I'm sorry for inconvenience. Wait upon the Lord. Embrace his powers. Who will enable you to enter those relationships with three, true who you are. With fullness of you are. May God bless you.